Retro Hangover is supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would like to take a moment to thank Lyle McCarns and Ashton Ruby for subscribing to the 16-bit tier and making this show possible. Tell your friends, because we got to catch them all. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 49 of Retro Hangover. pounding pints with Pikachu, proudly preening precious penile perversions, this is episode 49 of Retro Hangover, and I'm your co-host, Chris Copleen, and I am joined, as always, by your host, Shane Floppy Dick Dragon Magikarp Koski. So, does Magikarp, like, is he, he he's, he's the Dick Dragon after the evolution, right? So, so is Gyarados a dick dragon? Is that are we making that canon now? Yeah, I guess Gyarados is a dick dragon. I need to get on that art. <laughs> Great, another another T-shirt idea. Yeah, All right. I, I, a lot of people In, didn't like the dick dragon when I posted to Instagram. So maybe wow, if it really maybe if it looked more I'm like so surprised. maybe if it looked more like Gyarados, maybe we could get more likes and sell some merch. I think Nintendo would have a problem with that. But you know what? Fuck yeah, it. Yeah, I would say, or we'll just highly offend a lot of Pokemon fans. That that could also happen. By the way, Seamus, if you're listening, uh, if you could make a make a full blown Dick Dragon uh, with Gyarados, <laughs> uh, Shane uh, Seamus, uh, a former host on the show, is is an artist professionally. He does make money, and he could probably draw it. So there you go, Seamus. Request sent. Um, it's just a concept. Uh, not commissioning. Yet, I don't know. This is getting strange, but uh, Dick Dragon. Yeah, we're just we're we're just we're just workshopping it, you know. Yeah. spitballing some ideas. Dick, yeah. D- Dick Dragon Giardos. There you go. Uh, so how are you doing? So if you haven't, if you can't tell already uh, by the theme of mm. our conversation, this week's episode is going to be about the ever immortal Pokemon uh, Gen One. Heck yeah! Got to catch them all. Got to catch them all. But before we get into this uh, delectable, delicious episode, uh, Shane, mm. how have you been doing? Uh you know, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, think things have been kind of crazy busy, which I feel like I say a lot. So I don't know. At some point, it just starts to become redundant. Hi, everyone. Um, We're adults. I think, yeah, I say that's just, I guess, life. I don't know, man. But um, but no, that's, that's been pretty good. Um, I've, uh, you know, had some time to to get some gaming in. So that's that's always good. I, I so a confession to make, I suppose, is I, I like actually got around to finishing Luigi's Mansion. Oh, nice! <laughs> uh, af- after we released the episode, because I was like really close, um, but I didn't quite get there before we we uh, put out the the man the episode for it. Um, not to because not to go down a rabbit hole on this one or anything, but the ending of that game actually kind of changes my opinion of it um, for better or slightly. for worse. For worse, oh, that boss battle sucks balls. Oh, Jesus. Um, no. Oh my. So that okay, that game is really good right up until the end, and then there's this like weird shift with that final boss battle. At least this is how how I encountered it. 
where it was just supremely frustrating. And and actually, for the record, I don't think it's 100% the game's fault because I think it had to do, again, with the platform I was playing it on, which is something that we noted in our episode. Uh-huh. Um, because that last boss fight relies very heavily on being able to accurately aim your, your vacuum um, in order to hit the boss with a projectile, and trying to do that with the 3DS was awful. So I think I had to take like a good half dozen attempts at that boss to actually finish it, which was the only like marginally difficult thing that I came across in that entire game. But well, that's good anyway. Yeah. So, so that's done. I, uh, I've been playing some medieval, which if people are not Ooh. familiar with that, it's a pretty cool, um, modern take on like Hexen slash heretic. And if you don't know what that is, then I, I, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast because you should be old enough to know what that is. But okay, come on, those were some... Hexen and Heretic are pretty obscure. <laughs> they are Hexen is not obscure. It is right, if you're fine. a console gamer because the only version we ever got of Hexen was on the N64 and it sucked. Yeah, well, you know what serves you right. You should have had. You should have been the PC master race with the rest of us. But mm. um, yeah, so short short version there is is Hexen was a really great uh, first person shooter from like the early nineties, um, right around Doom era. So that gives you an idea of probably what it looked like. Um, but instead of guns, you had like magic weapons and stuff like that, and you were fighting, you know, like unearthly creatures and and cultists and shit like that. So. Uh, this company that made this game a medieval, um, they this is kind of their shtick, like, but for the record, they're actually really good at it. So a medieval is kind of their take on Hexen. Um, they have another game called Dusk, which is more of like a horror shooter, um, which I've also played through to completion. And that one was a lot of fun. And uh, it turns out they also have another game that is basically a spiritual successor to Descent which I have not tried yet, but also looks really good. So I'm going to have to give that one a shot as well. But uh, but yeah, spending some time in there. Um, and then other than that, I think I'm trying to play some Rocket League again because they're having a Stranger Things event for like Halloween. No. So I want to try to get some of those limited edition cosmetics. But uh, but yeah, man, I have something else that I want to talk about without spending like 20 minutes on our intro, but I'm going to gush about it. So why don't you talk about what you've been doing and then I'll I'll get back to the thing that I want to fanboy about. Well, I have I, I spent a week in Cuba. So, uh, you know, the, the the U.S. side of it. So uh, I did get some gaming done there. I haven't really progressed in Breath of Fire 3, which I'm still plotting for. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's like one of those things. I'm playing an RPG, so you're probably hearing me talk about this on like episodes for the remainder of the year, uh, <laughs> just because Breath of Fire Three is pretty massive, and I really want to get to other games. Uh, do I'm going to try and knock that out as best I can. But uh, while I was in Cuba, I uh, played uh, Bloodstained: Curse of the Moon, which Ooh. is kind of the eight bit uh, demake of Bloodstained. It's a completely different game, honestly. It's really good. So um, yeah, if you like. Uh, Castlevania 3. If you like that game, you will absolutely love uh, Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon. I plan on doing a retro, uh, not retro, uh, rapid fire review uh, for it up here mm-hmm. pretty soon. Uh, so I won't go too into details. So, you know, stay, stand by for that for those on their 16 bit tier or Patreon. But, uh, you know, just to be very brief, yeah, it's really good. It's a really good game. So this won't be like a Final Fantasy 15 scenario, 
where like towards the end of it, you're just going to be happy that it's over. No, no, it's it's a great game. It's it's a good. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to go 20 okay. minutes, you know, me being psychopathic and very upset. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like okay. I said, you know, still playing Breath of Fire 3, but not a lot of time to really play video games uh, in college. And I'm in a very, very interesting class right now in college. It's uh, like Government 475, which is titled The Presidency and the Executive Branch. So <laughs> it's uh, wow. it's a really nice and I, f- I feel myself going to sleep just listening to that. Oh, no, it's 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 interesting. Like, I, I love the fact that, you know, I can have a course like this in college with everything that's that's kind of going on. Yeah. Um, right. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I just want want to point out that as we are recording this, and by the way, we're not, or at least I'm not going to go into the whole like political, like ramifications of things that have been occurring recently, like surrounding this whole thing, just in a microcosm as a fan of video games, I am super fucking stoked for the Diablo four announcement that just happened at BlizzCon yesterday. And of course, when you're listening to this, it'll be, well, should be at least a couple of days out since then. But as, as someone who can like unequivocally say that Diablo is their number one favorite game franchise forever and always, man, man, that trailer is so good. The cinematic trailer is so good. Uh, everything I've had so far as they've been talking about it at BlizzCon looks like what Diablo fans have wanted for like a decade or more now. Not to say that Diablo 3 didn't shape up to be a decent game because it is. And I've gotten literally hundreds of hours out of that game. So for all of its faults, um, that game shaped up to be something that was really enjoyable. But there were a lot of things about it that just didn't really jive with the same sort of, you know, aesthetic and sort of feel that the first two Diablo games had. And this one, they're being very purposeful about going back to those roots. And it's a ways out. Um, they said it's not even Blizzard soon in in air quotes, which means that it's mm. probably a couple years out at this point, even though they announced it to be available for uh, PS4 and Xbox One. And we all know at this point that the new consoles are coming out of holiday 2020. So I'm not exactly sure how that jives, but regardless, it, it, it's still a little ways out. But man, I am I'm so excited for that. I don't usually like buy collector's editions of games because I think they're a big waste of money, but this is like the one exception, I think. So Okay, okay. Two questions regarding Diablo 4. Sure. Bear with me here. Yeah. Uh the first one uh-huh. is will it be available for Android? And the second one is can you play as Winnie the Pooh? I feel as though you've carefully crafted these questions to try to piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Uh, so to address your first concern, there is still Diablo Immortal, which is a separate product that is going to be available for mobile devices. So your Android ARPG appetite shall be sated by that, I am sure. And sure. And to your second point... Perhaps that will be some, um, you know, purchasable cosmetics. Who knows? <laughs> if I like, if I was, if I was a developer at Blizzard and I was able to somehow get away with that, I would totally include like a Winnie the Pooh like cosmetic outfit in that game. But yes, yeah. so Blizzard, if you're listening to us, and you probably aren't, but if you are listening to us, yeah, please hide Winnie the Pooh 
in your source code so we can play as it. Yeah, we or, want a or playable just, Winnie the Pooh character in Diablo Four. Or, or alternatively, you could just make that the new like cow level. Like instead of there being the the secret cow level, it's just like the secret hundred acre wood. There, there is no acre wood level. <laughs> there is no poo. Uh, there is no poo. Level. <laughs> and by I, the way, if you have no idea what we're talking about, you're better for it. Yeah, I mean, also though, if you're like listening to a somewhat obscure video game podcast, I have a feeling you probably know what's been going on in those circles. But mm-hmm. if you don't, then hey, you know what? You're yeah, you're probably better off. We're probably not getting much traction in China right now. <laughs> Dude, we we have been banned from Hong Kong. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, so what 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 are we what, what we're talking about? The Pokemans, right? That's what we're doing today. The Pokemans. The Pokemon, as as parents the world over have referred to them as. <laughs> yes. So everyone, strap in. Shane is going to tell you a very interesting story about some monsters in your pocket. That's right. And we're blasting off. And he will give you a brief history. Of Pokemon. Pokemon, a contraction of the phrase pocket monsters, is a series of creature collecting role playing games created by video game designer Satoshi Tajiri. A lifelong fan of arcade games, Tajiri wrote, edited, and self-published his own gaming fanzine entitled Game Freak, which he would hand-staple and sell for about $3 a piece at local newsstands. The publication would eventually attract contributors, including Ken Sugimori, who would go on to become Pokemon's art director. As time went on, Game Freak's staff began to become frustrated with the lack of quality games to write about, and decided to take matters into their own hands evolving the company into a full-fledged game development studio. The fledgling studio would see nine game releases, six major and three minor, for various systems, including the Sega Mega Drive and Nintendo Super Famicom, before striking their digital gold. Leveraging Tajiri's childhood love of insect collecting as inspiration, Game Freak began what would become its flagship franchise with the release of Pocket Monsters Red and Pocket Monsters Green in Japan for the Nintendo Game Boy on February 27, 1996. After the rousing success of these first two titles, an enhanced version, Pocket Monsters Blue, was released on October 10th of the same year. It was this version of the game that would be repurposed for the West, transforming into Pokemon Red and Pokemon Blue, released in North America on September 28th of 1998. Finally, a further enhanced version of the game, Pokemon Yellow, was released to North American gamers on October 19th of the following year, alongside a special edition Pikachu-themed Game Boy Color. This version of the game was designed to make use of the Game Boy Color's expanded color palette, as well as bring the game stylistically closer to the popular companion anime series. The plot of Pokemon is relatively straightforward. You, the player, are put into the shoes of Red, a young boy from Pallet Town with aspirations of becoming a Pokemon trainer and, perhaps someday, a Pokemon master. One day, after venturing alone in some tall grass on the outskirts of town, Red is stopped by Professor Oak, a well-known Pokemon researcher, explaining that wild Pokemon may be encountered in areas such as this, it would be dangerous to go alone. Heh. Oak brings Red back to his laboratory, 
where they meet Oak's grandson, a rival trainer in the making. The professor allows Red to choose a Pokemon companion and then tasks him with exploring the entirety of the Kanto region in which they live, with the goal of capturing all of the 151 known Pokemon and cataloging them in a handheld device known as a Pokedex. In parallel, in order for Red to attain the title of Pokemon Master, he must visit each of the eight Pokemon gyms in Kanto and defeat their leaders in one-on-one -on -one Pokemon battles, earning a badge from each. Only once this is accomplished can Red then face the Elite Four, the most accomplished Pokemon trainers in the region. Should Red emerge victorious, the title of Pokemon Master will become his. It perhaps goes without saying that Game Freak's idea for a game about monster collecting turned out to be a runaway success. Pocket Monsters Red, Green, and Blue collectively sold over 4.6 million copies by 1997, making it Japan's best-selling game of that year, surpassing even Final Fantasy VII. Their North American counterparts were no slouches either, with Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow selling a combined 9.85 million units by the end of their run. All told, the first generation of Pokemon games have sold over 31 million copies worldwide. The compulsion to catch them all would not be contained to just video games, however. The original run of Pokemon titles launched a blockbuster franchise, including, but not limited to, a trading card game, an ongoing anime TV series, animated and live-action films, various manga series, several spin-off games, including those for mobile devices, and far too many types of merchandise and branded items to even count. And that is your brief history of Pokemon. Gotta catch them all on Pokemon. Thank you, Shane. I wanna be the very best. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Dude, okay, so do you know the Pokerap? Not anymore. No? Okay. Well, I, I don't off the top no. of my head either, so that's probably the best for listeners because that would sound terrible. Although there is a chance that somewhere in here that's going to get included. So if you're if you're listening to this, then that might have already happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shane probably is going to add it in post. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Because you know what? I don't care about content ID strikes. Fuck it. <laughs> no one listens anyway. They're not going to find it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! All right, so Chris, where where do you want to start with this? Because there's a there's a lot we could cover oh, with the Pokemans. So let's 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 just get this discussion out there. We're sure. really going to be mostly talking about Gen One of Pokemon. Yes, the only ones that matter. Sure. Um, <laughs> I, I I think we just lost half our listeners right there. But um, yeah, it's just going to be Gen One. Uh, we're really going to be focusing on that. And yes, we understand we're doing this because of the relevancy of Pokemon Sword and Shield. Yes. will uh, be coming out shortly, uh, if not already out by the posting of this episode or by the time you listen to it. Um, but I, I know I played a lot of Gen 1. I really stopped playing Pokemon in Gen 2. And I don't know what Gen Diamond and Pearl was. I played that briefly. Uh, but there's no denying that Pokemon is just this immortal force. It is... It, it, I would say it probably kept Nintendo from being a third-party developer like Sega. And that's what we're really going to be unpacking here. Uh, the relevancy of Pokemon, how our experiences with Gen 1, and uh, how we got started on it. So, Shane. Yes. What's your first experience with the, with the pocket monsters in your pocket? Ah, yes. Well... Uh, so my, my first introduction was in fact, Pokemon Red. 
Um, I had it for uh, my Game Boy Color because as if you've listened to our previous episodes, you know that I did not own an original Game Boy. So Game Boy Color was my first uh, entry into the the handheld line of, of hardware. So that's that was my entry point. Of course, so the funny thing about it, right, is that I, for the longest time, was under the impression that the video games came from the trading card game slash the anime, which is not true. It's the other way around. Um, the, the games came first. And for quite a while, I did not know that. So when I was younger, I assumed that the trading card game was really the source of this whole thing. Um, and my younger brother who uh, may or may not be listening to this episode was actually the, the, the polka freak out of the two of us. Um, okay. Yeah. He was like super into it. Um, the, the only reason at that time that I saw any of the anime series um, or knew anything about like the cards was solely because of him. Like he had a binder of Pokemon cards and watched the show like religiously. I, on the other hand, uh, was just, I played the game. So Pokemon red became another one of those ones where I, it, it was, a um, it was a time killer in, in the backseat of the car on, on many family trips, mostly, all well, mostly because of the length of the game. Uh, it takes quite a while to actually get through it. And, and I never, I don't know about you. Um, but I, I never actually completed my, my Pokedex back in the day. I basically just like got to the elite four and, defeated them with whatever whatever bullshit team of six Pokemon that I probably had at the time because I had no strategy whatsoever and managed to just pick your six favorite essentially yeah pretty much pretty much and I guess that was good enough to kind of bumble my way through defeating the elite four so I did do that uh, but I never actually completed a dex it wasn't actually until until Pokemon let's go that that I've even gotten close to to that feat, but we'll, we'll talk about Which that. Which is a, a remake bit. of gen one. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, technically they they are, they are remakes of, of Pokemon yellow specifically, uh, because the, the difference there was that yellow, you start out with Pikachu as your starter Pokemon rather than picking, you know, one of the first three traditional starters. So, you know, Bulbasaur, Squirtle or Charmander. And then conversely, your rival Oak's grandson would get Eevee. Um, and so obviously Pokemon, let's go Pikachu and let's go Eevee are, are based on that. Um, but, uh, so what about you? How did you get introduced to the Pokemans? I have this suspicion that it's, it has something to do with like your experiences, like either in Japan or having this connection to Japanese media that I super did not have at that age, but I could be wrong. Uh, you are wrong. Great. Weirdly enough. Like I, 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 <laughs> I felt like it was so a like safe you, bet, right? Uh, well, if you talked Gen 2, then you'd be absolutely right. Okay. Just because I, I talked about this on a previous episode. I think it was the uh, Game Boy episode mm. that we did with Seamus. Mm-hmm. Where I went to Japan, I got uh, Pokemon Silver early. Oh, God. Pokemon, was this uh, the Sunshine. Little Yellow Emperor story? Yes. Ah, that yes. was a good one. Okay. Where they referred to po- where they referred to Pikachu as the Little Yellow Emperor, and <laughs> depending on your connotation, you could take that all sorts of weird ways. But let's not get into that. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, that was a little uh, Little Yellow Emperor story. But in terms of Pokemon itself, like Red and Blue Gen One, I can't remember exactly how I heard about it. I was on the internet back in 1998. Uh, probably a lot of you were, or you weren't. It, the internet was 
no, hit or miss back then in 98, 97. Yeah, I, I had an AOL instant messenger away message. Didn't you? No, um, I didn't have AOL. I had something else. I had a local ISP because, you know, my father is <laughs> of course you really did. into. Yeah, my, my father, well, my father was computer internet hipsters. And he, and he teleworked. You teleworked from home in the or like 92. <laughs> so like, I don't know how to I don't know what else to say. There's all the murmurings of this was going to be a pretty big deal. And of course, Internet advertising back then was uh, not as evolved as it is now. I think that's a proper term for this episode. But um, ah. but yeah, magazines are still the thing. And like I'd read uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly as a magazine, Game Informer as a magazine and, you know, uh, Internet websites like GameSpot. I think they're back around back then. IGN. And uh, I think RP Gamer or RPG Gamer, depending on how you call it. And mm. uh, to a lesser extent, Game Packs. And you, I heard all the rumblings that this game called Pocket Monsters would eventually come to the United States. It was going to be a big deal. Or they thought it was going to be a big deal, but they weren't sure. So it came out and I ended up getting I, I somehow ended up getting both games. I don't remember how. Um, and I did have my dad's Game Boy at the time. And somehow I had convinced because he had had that since the early 90s. And I somehow had convinced, I think, one of my mother's friends. I don't know why. Like, I'm not going to get into that situation. But I convinced her <laughs> that uh, to get me a Game Boy uh, pocket because mm. they were only like $60 back then. Yeah. So I had a Game Boy pocket. It was the neon green play it loud version. Uh, and so I got both versions. 90s stream. Yes. And I progressed with the game on both sides and trade Pokemon uh, to try and fill my Pokedex, which I never did. Um, but I also had friends that were really into it. So there'd be weekends. So like every weekend I go over to my friend, uh, uh, Matt and Mike's house, they were brothers and we hung out all the time and we would, uh, essentially, you know, play Pokemon, trade Pokemon amongst other things, play other video games. But a lot of it was playing Pokemon and trading Pokemon. And so it was kind of a big deal. We, you know, we had watched the anime. We, we try to collect all the plushies from KFC, uh, <laughs> that were there. Uh-huh. And that's, that's the weird thing too, right? Like, what are what are plushies being sold at KFC for? They sell chicken. I don't know if they're gonna say they're trying to say they want to sell fried Pokemon. Is that the next special? I mean, fried fried Pidgey legs. Know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pidgey, like, why wasn't Pidgey a plushie? That's perfect for KFC, right? <laughs> also, I kind of feel like on some level, selling a plushie at a KFC just is asking for like that plushie to forever smell like faintly like fried chicken. Which, yeah. depending on your viewpoint, may. May may or may not be a good thing. I don't know. Pidgey and Sparrow. This it is Sparrow, right? God, I, I'm Spiro, sorry, I forget the yes. name. Spiro. Pidgey. Yeah. Spiro. Firo. Yes. Spiro. Spiro better than Pidgey, but Pidgeotto better than Spiro. Anyway, um, but that that's kind of what it was. I never ended up beating the game just because I got too caught up in the meta. Like I wanted to. Every single time I caught a new Pokemon, I would always try to level it up and try to get the best evolution for it. Mm-hmm. And I was more concerned about completing the decks and and min maxing all my Pokemon. So unfortunately, going through that process, I never completed the game. I never even made it to Elite Four. I made it to like some of the last gym members, and I would just kind of stop and restart because I always wanted to see what the game would be like with a new starting Pokemon. Which usually I'd pick Squirtle. But, you know, I, I, I would occasionally go to the uh, Charmander Bulbasaur, but Squirtle's my my main starter. But that's kind of where I got started. So, <clears throat> but that being said, well, then I, you know my starter. What was your starter? <laughs> yeah, that, I was going to say, I, I was going to ask you that exact same question. Um, so you said Squirtle, right? That was, that was yours? Squirtle. <laughs> um, so I feel like isn't Squirtle, did you pick Squirtle just because you like Squirtle or did you pick Squirtle because that's like, 
statistically the better starter because the first gym is a rock gym. I just picked Squirtle because I like Squirtle. I think that's the biggest reason. I thought that Bulbasaur was like the, the easy mode. I thought Squirtle was like the hard mode. But I mean, that's not what I was thinking about. I just thought Squirtle was cute, to be honest with you. I thought I like Squirtle. He was a turtle. I like turtles. Uh, you make a great so, zombie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's why I picked Squirtle. Squirtle. Squirtle's my guy, man. Okay. And no, Blastoise I mean, you looks know, awesome. That's, that's cool. No, I, I respect that choice. You know, Squirtle squad for life, you know, got the sunglasses. They're they're cool. Um, I I usually I actually usually went with Charmander. That, that was my my favorite starter. I'm I'm a fan mm-hmm. of Charizard, so that was that was kind of my thing. I never I was actually never um never really into Bulbasaur, I gotta be honest. Like he's he's cute and all, but for whatever reason he always seemed like like the distant third choice of the three. At least for me. I'm I'm sure I offended some Bulbasaur fan out there, but that But I do love Ivysaur and Venusaur. Yeah, I mean they I mean all the starters turn out to be good. But oh yeah, I just yeah I don't know for whatever reason that I never picked Bulbasaur. So, am I? By the way, am I wrong on that? I thought like it. I feel like I should look this up now. I, but it, I thought water is effective against rock, isn't that right? No, it's super effective against rock. Okay, yeah, but that's my point. It's super effective. Yes. Okay, so then if that's the case, then Squirtle would be your optimal starter choice because Brock is a rock gym and. So that that would be the best way to start out. Man, I don't know all the specifics. <laughs> what Mr. I got caught up in the meta doesn't know the specifics. So like you say into the meta, you're talking about into the meta as much as a 14-year-old, 13-year-old could get into the meta and remember it 20 years later. Uh-huh. Okay, so I while while you were taking care of things that were edited out of this episode, I uh, <laughs> I took the time to quickly look up a type effectiveness chart, and according uh-huh. to this, assuming that this was still accurate for Gen One, which I believe it is, technically, both Bulbasaur and Squirtle would actually be solid choices for Brock's gym because they are super effective against Rock. Fire is actually the bad choice so there you yes. go <laughs> fire yeah chart i know charmander was kind of the hard mode yeah so uh, I, I, squirtle, I apparently unwittingly picked hard mode when i was playing so that's fun i think squirtle was the medium one like venusaur if you if you if well, bulbasaur if you select bulbasaur right off the bat uh you have the easier path throughout the game uh yeah yeah seems that way but in any event, that yeah, that that was my okay. So outside of starters, what is your of the original hundred and fifty one? Do you have a favorite? Gyarados. Is this just because of the intro, or is that legit your your answer? No, it's legit my my favorite. Okay, it's, it's between Gyar- uh, Gyarados and like Rapidash. Interesting. Okay, just because I like the word Rapidash, mm. I think it's I think it's a really cool name. But Gyarados, I love Gyarados because Gyarados evolves from Magikarp, and Magikarp is completely useless. Yes. So you're, you're typically going to think that Magikarp has absolutely no enduring value. There's no reason to, to hold on to a Magikarp or level up a Magikarp unless you, you, you knew what Magikarp was going to do. Then you get Gyarados, and Gyarados is just a one-man wrecking crew. But Gyarados is a, is, is a literal monster. He's, he's a dragon before there was dragon types. So that's why I love I love me some Gyarados. I try to get Gyarados as early as possible. Onyx is up there for me too. Um, and this was the day before you could get a Steelix. Mm, yeah. Um, so I, I really love the Onyxes and uh, what's the Psychic one? Abra and Kadabra. Yeah. 
they're they're kind. I just like them because they're cheap. And Alec, I don't Alec like them. Kazam. Because, yeah, they're, they're just they're they're cool because they're incredibly cheap, and their move set completely wrecks everybody. But as actual Pokemon, I don't care much for them. How about you? Well, also Alakazam is like a solid choice if you're trying to build like a good six Pokemon team to take on the Elite Four. That's that's one yeah, of the ones that you wanna you wanna pick because it's not balanced. Yeah, well, yeah, so that's psychic damage though. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, uh, probably Gengar. I'm I'm, mm. I'm a I'm a pretty pretty big Gengar fan. I always thought he was cool. I just like the design. Actually, I like the design of of all of his evolutions. Also, Gengar, solid solid Elite Four team choice. I don't know. I never made it to the Elite Four. I spent too much time leveling up like an idiot. So here's my question. So first yeah. of all. Here's two things. Uh-huh. Have there ever been a more enduring set of starters than in Pokemon Gen 1? And am I the only one that doesn't understand the love the, the, the love for Eevee in Gen 1? Like, from Gen 1. I, I know it came later because you could evolve Eevee into anything, right? Right. But I didn't really see what was going on with Eevee back then. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's a good question. I mean, to your first point, no. Uh, I don't think any of the three starters from any of the, you know, later generations had quite as much staying power as the first three. And uh, you could make arguments as to why that is. I mean, uh, the obvious one, right, is that it's just they were the first. And so that's what most people are familiar with. I think if you had this conversation with people who are younger and maybe started with, you know, Gen 3 or 4 or something – they might say like, I mean, yeah, you know, Charizard's cool or whatever, but also hashtag not my starter, you know, like they'd have mm-hmm. more of like an emotional attachment to whatever generation they began with, which I think is fair. But also on some level there, and this is just a personal opinion, you might not agree and some of listeners might not agree either, but there is something to be said for the design of the original set of, of Pokemon in that they were simple and fairly straightforward and identifiable. This might be just my like old man sitting on the the porch yelling at children moment or whatever. My day. <laughs> but I just I feel like and I guess maybe it's partially out of necessity, right? Because you start running out of ideas. But I, I just feel like the design of later generations of Pokemon just became progressively more like unnecessarily complicated or obtuse. Uh, I'm not saying that they became more ridiculous because let's be real for a second. One of the original set of Pokemon was literally just a pile of fucking eggs, right? So, I mean, (laughs) we we were never at like peak creativity or anything, but I I just feel like they became more complicated um, and less like easily identifiable. So I think that has a lot going for it as far as like the the starters are concerned. Well... Yeah, but there is a simplicity. Like if there's if there's 151 of them, like that that's still a pretty daunting number. It is. Uh, I mean, it's better than it's like 800 daunting. and something, which whatever the fuck it is now. Right. When you start to have candelabras as a Pokemon, I think you've. I won't say you jump the shark. Obviously, they haven't jumped the shark. They still have massive a massive fan base. Sure. But when you when you start to have like wax candles as Pokemon or teapots as Pokemon <laughs> or or a literal sword, you've kind of like, it seems like you've gone a little too far. If you look at the original Pokemon, like, essentially everything is an animal, except, like, except what you said, like, a pile of eggs, right? Yeah. Uh, but that even evolves into something that becomes 
something like an animal vaguely a palm tree yes yeah something that that could reasonably <laughs> be expected to be a sentient thing right, right? I, yeah and that's what i loved about the original designs and like when you go back to the uh insect collecting mm-hmm. you do see a lot of that in the original pokemon or just like you're collecting animals you're collecting like little creatures uh that you can find that you know that that seem reasonable that would follow you around or like you could essentially tame not everything right but you look at um, like especially the Caterpie and the Weedles and right. how they and how they evolve. And that's really cool. Like that's a really cool concept. And and there are like really extreme evolutions in the series as well. I mean, even going back to Gen 1. But it kind of made a little bit more sense to me back then. And it was, I wasn't concerned about trying to get a thousand different little monsters when I'm only going to use, like you said, six. Uh, and that's kind of why I dropped out after Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. I mean, my kid, my kid, my oldest son, he still loves it. Uh, he plays it. He could probably tell you all 5,896 Pokemon. And that's not a real number, by the way. I mean, don't, 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 no. 11 billion Pokemon. Well, see, the, the other thing is like you totally can't make a poker rap anymore because it'd be like a 30 no. minute song. Well, that would get you more YouTube clicks. That, that's true. Yeah. All hail the algorithm. But um, so so okay. Th- th- there's a lot of like you know cane shaking on our behalf about how like the newer stuff is not great or whatever. But there there is something that was introduced later on that I actually prefer, and I wish it was in the originals. Um, and it actually is included in in Let's Go. So um, so that's a a plus. But one of my gripes with the Gen One games, and it always has been. Mm is how uh how you how xp is gained for your pokemon because to your point right even in it so in my opinion 150 is still a manageable number you can wrap your head around that like it it's a lot but it's doable right um right but still that still introduces the problem of okay but i can only have six pokemon in my team at any one time and in order to effectively level up all six of them, you have to be constantly micromanaging your team to kind of swap them in and out during battles so that they actually gain XP. Because if a Pokemon doesn't participate in a battle, even if they're on your active team, they don't gain any XP and therefore they could get left behind if you just keep using the ones that you like. Mm-hmm. And so that always bothered me playing playing Pokemon Red because I hated having to do that. And so having the XP share ability, um, a lot of people bemoan this. You know, a lot of uh, hardcore Pokemon fans think it's shitty and that it's basically a built-in cheat and that it makes the game less fun. That That is an argument that I've heard. Um, I would counter that I think it actually makes it more accessible and streamlines the experience, at least, at least it, for me. Because playing through Pokemon Let's Go on my Switch, which, as we mentioned, is basically a enhanced version of Yellow from Gen 1, you get the same experience, you know, more or less, uh, of playing the original game, but with better graphics, uh, better mechanics, and also the ability to just easily share the XP amongst the Pokemon that are in your team. So you don't really run into that problem so much. And and this is also something that I have kind of an issue with with other games that have giant rosters of characters because I have this paralysis of like, I, I want to use them all 
and also I don't know which ones I feel are best, and so I don't know which ones to put in my party. And we've had this discussion before where I start going down this spiral of I don't know what is optimal, and so then I you know, start freaking out about who should be in my group or whatever. But at the end of the day, you kind of have to just settle on like a good set of six. And so that's that's one of my longstanding gripes with the original run of the games. And I think that that was an improvement that was introduced over time. Well, even even like the creators had their doubts. For I understand, like Jigglypuff was supposed to be the mascot for Pokemon. Yeah, for I did not know time. that. And, you know, when it came out, Pikachu caught fire because Pikachu is adorable little chinchilla mouse. Uh, and yeah. he's a lot more adorable than Jigglypuff. And of course, I think they would think Jigglypuff would be the better option just because it's very similar to Kirby. Maybe. I don't know. Right. I, I don't quote me on that one. But um, yeah, I completely get it. And just leveling up. And, and I think the other thing is, too, is uh, you spend so much time leveling up these Pokemon, right? And like you're invested in it, you're developing it. And you, you spend a lot of time, you know, curating your list. And then you find out that the Pokemon you've been leveling up is shit. And then you're like, well, fuck, I'll, I'll just put it in the in the little like I'll put it in the Internet for a while and I'll 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 make my team better. But you spend a lot of time with that Pokemon. You, you spend a lot of time developing it. So why would you want to keep doing it? But then again, you get a shiny new toy you want to play with. Right. And when you say it's more accessible now, like you can balance out the EXP and you can level th- everything out on pretty much an even keel. Yeah, it does make it more accessible. It, it makes it easier to jump to your shiny new toy and know that you're not neglecting your your old friend that you've been leveling up with and, and fighting battles with the entire time. Um, so, yeah, I entirely agree with you uh, because there's there's that aspect, you know, loyalty versus uh, versus what what is new. I mean, yeah. And, and also, you know, to to that point, you know, if you didn't know, right, a lot about the meta of the game at that at that time, which a lot of us didn't, you know, we were kids just kind of going into this blind, then you might have settled on a Pokemon that for whatever reason you you turned out to be your favorite. Maybe it's just because you thought it looked cool or you liked their moveset or, or whatever. And you have the the real possibility of running into a point in that game where you just simply should not use that Pokemon just because of the sort of rock, paper, scissors, you know, aspect of the, the type effectiveness thing where you might run into a, a gym um, or, or the elite four, if you get to that point where that Pokemon just sucks against those particular sets of, of, you know, rival Pokemon. And then what do you do? Right. Either you hope that you were leveling up someone else that does work or you have to go back and grind. <clears throat> right. Well, kind of like Pikachu. Like a lot of people never want to evolve Pikachu. Uh, because he's adorable. Raichu's better. I mean, like statistically, yes, I, I'm pretty sure that Raichu is more effective, but also it's not it's not the Pika. He's more super effective. Yes. And yeah. he's still Chew. Yeah, but it's just it's just not the same. Everyone forgets that every Raichu used to be a Pikachu. Yeah, but I mean, like that, that, that could just be, maybe that's depressing to some people because they're like, man, look at all those Pikachus that are no more. So let's talk briefly about game design. We haven't actually talked about gameplay this entire episode. So I've, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess you should probably get into that at some point on a video game podcast. Uh, I suppose. (laughs) All right. What, what do you want to talk about? (laughs) Okay. 
So let's discuss um, what you actually do. So, like you said, you start out at the game, like you select your three starters. Right. Uh, one of your three starters. Your rival selects the weakness to your starter. Always. Because, yes. Because he's a dick. And that is that is because Pokemon is a game of weaknesses and strengths. As, you, if, as we have been alluding to the entire episode. So the entire thing is kind of like a rock, paper, scissors kind of uh, strength weaknesses thing, except you have a lot more than just rock, paper, and scissors. There's like uh, water, fire, uh, rock. Earth, uh, heart, Earth, Captain Planet. Leaf, yes. uh, heart, electric, ground. I don't know. Uh, but there's all sorts of things, and they all have their unique weaknesses to them. And they're strong against other things. Like electric can't harm rock, but, you know, tree and like leaf and fire can. Right. Mm-hmm. So essentially your, your journey, as, as Shane said in the intro, is to become a Pokemon master. And this is to go get badges. You can get additional Pokemon through finding them in the wild, which is through like long grass. And you have to beat them up until they're weak. And then you throw balls in their face and then you can probably <laughs> put them in their balls. Um, well, when you put it that way. Uh, also, just a quick side note, you were talking about your rival or whatever at the beginning, right? Uh-huh. Can we just talk real quick about how Professor Oak doesn't even remember his grandson's own fucking name? I just I just want to point that out. At the beginning of the game, when you get in there, right, he's like, oh, uh, and who are you? Because that's your opportunity to name your character. And it, you also get the opportunity to name your rival. So, like, mechanically, I get why it is. But, like, in-universe, it's hilarious because – Professor Oak is standing there and you and his grandson are standing in front of him and he's just like, oh, right. And this is my grandson. Uh, what was his name again? Early on sentimental. Yeah. <laughs> like if I was the rival, I'd be like, fucking seriously, grandpa. Like, come on, man. I feel like that kind of explains in some way why your rival is also a huge douche. But anyway, continue. And he hates you. Yeah, he because... super does. Well, because we're we're Grandpa Oak's favorite, obviously. Yeah. Because he's banging your mom. Yeah, that's that's heavily implied. Your mom also doesn't give a shit about the fact that an old man just told you to, like, take a mouse and go explore the entire country and don't come back. But that's fine. He doesn't give you a mouse in the original. Yeah, I mean, whatever. He gives you a turtle or a a lizard lizard or or, or a plant thing. Yeah, here's the potted plant. Go away. I'd be more interested in how the he made the plant like into a semi-autonomous creature. Alchemy. Like, what animal is what animal is I, uh, Bulbasaur supposed to be? Um, like one's a turtle, a, one's a, a lizard, a bulb, what's... and also a sore. I don't know. It's like a half dinosaur, half Venus flytrap. I'm pretty sure. Like I'm even trying to go to like the Chinese Japanese mythology kind of thing. How you have like the tiger and the dragon and right. the turtle and. The... I, I, but anyway, we're, I don't know where we're, we're getting back off. Anyway, track. I'm going off on a tangent. Yeah, I'm going way off on a tangent. Yeah. So, um, so how you capture the Pokemon, right? That's what you're talking yeah, about. We capture the Pokemon uh-huh. and your Pokemon can learn skills. And there's things called uh, TMs and HMs. I know one's hidden machine. What's the uh, technical machines? I believe so. Yeah. Called? Yeah. And you, and, you, and you pretty much go throughout the region. By the way, if you didn't know this already, you probably do. But like, but this point, if we're explaining Pokemon to you. I'm just doing it out of the courtesy of of which because there might be people who have never played Pokemon before. I highly doubt it. That's why I'm just running through it. Uh, the Kanto region is based off the Kanto region of Japan, yes. which includes Tokyo. It's that area. It's a real place, even though the areas there aren't necessarily real. You're telling me there isn't anyway. a Viridian city? Uh, uh, no, I'm not telling you that. There probably is one. It's probably in America, though. But, I mean, that's the gameplay. It's, it's a game of strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and to develop the best team you possibly can, 
It's not so much about completing the Pokedex. I, I know you. I think you get a special ending for completing the Pokedex, but there's. I mean, like really, no Oak added benefit to Specifically tells you that that is your goal, which is weird because I think that be maybe that's more of a marketing thing uh, for outside of the game, like breaking the fourth wall. Like they want you to collect them all. That you have to have all 151 for merchandise and all that shit. Yeah, because yeah. the game. The game doesn't really give two fucks if you collect all 150. That is uh, true. Hopefully, maybe 151 Pokemon. It doesn't really matter. Like you get to the end, you beat the game, and you get it. I think you, like I said, you get maybe a little special modified difference in what you get. But it's the entire universal concept of gotta catch them all, and I think that's mostly for merchandising and selling toys and watching the anime and all the other things that encapsulate. Uh, the Pokemon universe. Yeah. So also uh, talking about um, capturing Pokemon, that that is the that is the second, and I think mostly only uh, other kind of gripe that I have with uh, actually not just the the Gen One, but the vast majority of Pokemon games is I I really actually am not a huge fan of how you collect the Pokemon. Um, having to walk around and just trigger random battles and fighting every time and then trying to capture them, um, gets, in my opinion, gets old really quick. Like if you're a fan of the battle system in these games, then you're probably, you don't give a shit and it's fine. But for me, it just, it, it like feels intentionally grindy. Um, I was never really a big fan of how that works, which also is why I actually really like let's go. Because it takes the mechanics from Pokemon Go, the, the the mobile phone title that I'm sure everybody is familiar with at this point. Because for a little while that took over the entire planet and was arguably the closest we ever came to world peace for a few weeks. But yeah, they, they changed it so that you don't have to battle Pokemon. Instead, uh, you just throw the Pokeball and it's more of like a skill thing of making sure you aim it like at the right time and at the right place. And you capture them that way rather than having to fight them every time. And I, I much prefer that method, but I think that's just a personal preference. I kind of like – I don't really care about how you catch it. I do like the Safari Zone and how you catch Pokemon there. Yeah. But I do like the concept like you have to weaken them. You have to get them to a certain point and then they might join you. And that that's not necessarily an original concept for Pokemon. Mm-hmm. However, when you look at like the Game Boy and you, and you look at the portability. And I do think – okay, let's really get into this. Pokemon, when it came out, really changed the course of the Game Boy. And I know we talked about this for the Game Boy episode mm-hmm. uh, really briefly, but it was the best RPG on the Game Boy when it came out, I think, hands down. I don't think a single other game on the Game Boy up to that point in terms of being an RPG or, or the length of it or the depth of it was as good as Pokemon. If there was, it didn't hit off on the mainstream like Pokemon did. And there's very few games on the Game Boy that did. I mean, I think the closest thing to Pokemon in terms of hitting off in the mainstream is Tetris. So if you're like, well, that's not true. You know, there's Final Fantasy whatever or uh, Link's Awakening. Last Bible. Yeah. Or Link's Awake. Well, Link's Awakening's not an RPG. It's an action RPG. So <laughs> get off that. Okay. You're, you're like splitting hairs at that point. But sure. Go go ahead. It's not even. I wouldn't. I would just call it an action game, honestly. Okay. I mean, okay. It's not yeah. really an mm-hmm. RPG. But in terms of a traditional JRPG, yeah, Pokemon is is the best thing you got on the Game Boy at that time. Right. And I don't want to hear anyone say, 
Well, what about Last Bible? No one gives a fuck about Last Bible, okay? Well, maybe you do, because you're asking about it, but... <laughs> I've never heard of that, so... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that there, there's that. But, like, when you, you talk about weakening and capturing monsters, uh, the portability of everything, and, and the, the complexity for a Game Boy game at that time was was really above, I believe, many people's expectations. And, and the fact that it captured a lot of people under the age of 15, and especially, like, 10-year-olds, is amazing, uh for the complexity that really offered because a lot of people think if you're 10, you're nine, you're 11, you're not going to care about complexity and Pokemon really disproves that thesis. It really goes after the idea that kids don't know what they like and they don't know how to play video games. Just go back and play (laughs) Pokemon as an adult. If you think that you should give your kid like Barney's adventure uh, when they're five or six and realize, you know, five and six year olds are playing Pokemon when this game came out and it's an international success. And a lot of those five and six and seven year olds are still playing that, th- that game to this day who are now like almost in their thirties. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, and yeah, it's, it, it, it is a, it is a good case study in the effectiveness of simplicity in, in a way, right? Because there is a depth there. Sure. But the, the main gameplay loop of it is very straightforward. The idea is very clear that you know you're here to collect all these pokemon and that's that's more or less it and uh and just the the inspirations that brought the game you know to life in the first place as we said you know tajiri's sort of childhood love of of insect collecting and sitting with his friends and comparing who collected the coolest bugs um very heavily influenced this as well as you know some of the other things that were more you know pop culture for him as a child um there's of course the, the very popular ultraman series uh in Japan that was something that uh very heavily influenced how pokemon worked too because you know ultraman has these little capsules that he can throw to summon monsters to aid him in battle uh, in in like the the show and and other uh, various media, I'm sure. So that obviously translated to Pokemon. And and actually, to your point, I think you mentioned earlier that Pokemon wasn't necessarily the first to do this. Um, the whole sort of monster battling and collecting thing um, that occurred in Dragon Quest, right before this even started. It wasn't necessarily like monster battling and collecting the same way that you do it, but like Dragon Quest Five, and that didn't come out in America. Right. So um, it was Japanese exclusive, but you could catch monsters in Dragon Quest V and have them as party members mm-hmm. and, and catch other monsters. And I can't remember the specifics. I can't remember if you could breed them or not. Uh, but it was you know Super Famicom game came out in uh, like 92, 93, and you could catch monsters in there. As well as like you had uh, Shin Megami Tensei mm-hmm. for the Super Famicom. Again, Japanese exclusive. But if anyone has played Persona, and I know that a lot of you have, Shin Megami Tensei had a lot of those similarities where you negotiate with the monsters, the monsters join your team, they join your party, and you could collect, you know, over, you know, 100 to between 100 and 200 demons or something like that uh, to assist you in your in your quest. So the idea of what Pokemon was doing wasn't necessarily revolutionary, but the execution and how they did it was. Uh, yeah, and so, and I suppose, you know, we, we should probably get close to, to wrapping up the discussion because we were running a little long, but we would be remiss without at least mentioning, you know, the things that Pokemon then would go on to inspire. Because anything that's this popular or becomes this popular is inevitably going to create you know, imitators 
And that that has a little bit of a negative connotation, but let's be real. That's kind of what they were because they see something that's wildly popular and they want a piece of that action, of course. Right. Oh, yeah. So we ended up with things like uh, Digimon, which I know that there are some folks out there that make the argument that they prefer Digimon over Pokemon. And that is fine. I, I feel like they can coexist peacefully, but, you know, there's that. Um, and things like, you know, Tamagotchis where you're kind of taking that caring for a small animal thing digitally and taking it to an extreme where you've just got this little thing you have to carry around and make sure it doesn't die in its own pile of shit, (laughs) um, which Mm -hmm. most of them did, or at least the ones that I knew about. The ones I had did. Yeah. Yeah. They ended up in a drawer somewhere. Um, just say you had a Tamagotchi, Shane, there's no shame in it. Uh, not only did I have a Tamagotchi, but when they released the uh, like iOS Tamagotchi app, I also downloaded that for a little while. So I have no shame, Chris. You sound pretty shameful until I called you out. Just saying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there's that. And then like interestingly enough, this whole thing comes kind of full circle, right? Because you, you pointed out in our show notes here that uh, there was also Dragon Quest Monsters. So you have a thing where... Yes. You know, Tajiri and Game Freak were inspired by Dragon Quest to begin with, then made Pokemon as part of that. And then Pokemon went to go on to inspire a Dragon Quest game. So it's interesting how these things sort of feed into, you know, one another. And you've got other things you could argue that these evolved over time into stuff like um, the toys to life genre, which is now more or less dead as far as I'm aware. But you got things like uh, Skylanders, which is really just, you know, a, a further extension of this whole gotta catch them all sort of ethos. And there, you also have to look at the fact that when you have games that you have two different versions of games, right? So you have like Pokemon Red and Blue. Mm-hmm. And that really carried over into a lot of other games. I, I think the most notable for, for you know our audience would probably be the Mega Man Battle Network series. Mm-hmm. Because that game started really splitting off. They had uh, games that would be you know, Mega Man Battle Network, this version and this version. And, and that, that was later on in the series. And I don't really know how it operated, but I, I you know that, that po- that's a Pokemon-inspired thing, especially portably. You, know, you can only get some things in this game, and you can't get in the other game unless you link up. Other games you see that on, uh, more obscure games like uh, you have the SNK versus Capcom Card Fighters Clash, which is for the Neo Geo Pocket Color, where there's two different versions of that. Uh, so you have like Capcom versus SNK and SNK versus Capcom, and they're both for the Neo Geo Pocket Color. And just the name swap that you could get certain cards in one game or the other, but you could trade over the link cable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you did have games like that. And I'm sure that it's far more extensive than anything that I'm, I'm listing off off the top of my head right here. Uh, but Pokemon did really inspire a lot of companies to come out with two different versions of games that were required to get the entire story. I think uh, the most prominent one, actually, that I could really think of now just thinking about it is uh, The Legend of Zelda uh, <laughs> Seasons and Ages. I was just thinking about that, yeah, too. In my head, I was like, did that come out after Pokemon? I'm pretty sure it did, yes. right? Yeah. It was a Game Boy Color game, exclusive Game Boy Color game. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I think uh, we've been prattling on for quite a bit. I think we got more disjointed once we tried to force the gameplay. Thanks, me. Um, so. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I guess we kind of had to discuss it, right? I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there that doesn't know how Pokemon works. I don't know who you are or where you've been hiding, but hi. <laughs> <laughs> but that's our personal experience from Pokemon and how we reminisce on them and how we've been enjoying them. Uh, hopefully they come out with the Winnie the Pooh Pokemon. Uh <laughs> here in the near future to tie this into the beginning yeah i would love mm. to see a winnie the pooh pokemon in diablo 
and <laughs> we can um, the ultimate crossover event. Yes, Pokemon X Blizzard. That's right, Cross Blizzard, whatever they want to call it. So, Chris, do do you feel at, at this day and age, someone should go back if they hadn't before? Go black and play the generation one of the Pokemon games. So, you know, red, blue, or or yellow. Do you think that's a worthwhile adventure or not? No. <laughs> I, no. I, I say that tepidly because I know people are gonna kill me for saying no. But no, 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 no. Uh yes. Are are the monster designs better? Sure. Um, is it a little bit more simplistic in terms of um what every Pokemon can do? Sure. But you do have that really old battle system where if you want to level up your weak Pokemon, you have to throw them out there and then you have to pull them right back and pull out, throw out the Pokemon that's strong against the monster you're fighting and order to level them up. It's very cumbersome. It's very slow. It's very plotting and later installations of the game do it very, do it so much better. And there's no plot continuity you really have to know for the rest of the games. It doesn't really carry over that much. And if you're that concerned about it, like we've been talking about, Pokemon Let's Go is a recreation of Pokemon Yellow, and it's a lot more accessible. And so if you're worried about plot, I don't know why you're worried about plot in a Pokemon game. You can get it <laughs> from there. But, yeah, I mean, if, if if you're worried about experience sharing and you're worried about that being too easy, you do have options in Gen 2 and you do have options in uh, the Game Boy Advance, I guess, Gen 3 and 4, where you still have that more difficult traditional method of leveling up where it's not as slow and as cumbersome and, and deals with the advancements that the series adopted over time. So no, Gen 1, play it as a novelty. It's, it's, it's interesting to go back and look at its, at its origin, but is it worthwhile today when you have so many other options to play Pokemon? I would say no. Yeah, I think we're in agreement on that one, actually, uh, specifically to your point about Let's Go. Um, if, if someone was going to ask me, hey, I never got a chance to play the first generation of Pokemon games, like, but I'd like to what should I do? Um, I would absolutely not recommend picking up one of the originals. Um, it's, it is rough to get into. Like, listen, we put up with a lot of shit when we were younger because it's all we had and it was new at the time. So we sort of made do with a lot of those more archaic systems that are in that game, but coming to it now, you're probably going to bounce off it pretty hard. I mean, I even have, uh, a version of Pokemon yellow on my 3ds that I bought digitally from the e-store uh, when it was on sale for some celebration of like a Pokemon anniversary a while back. And I tried playing that again and it's hard to get back into. Um, so yeah, my recommendation would 100% be if you want to experience Gen 1, pick up a copy of Let's Go. And you also have the Game Boy Advance versions of Gen 1. Which is uh, Leaf Green and Fire Red. Yes. Yeah, I suppose that was technically the first sort of remake of the originals before we got to Let's Go, right? So Yeah. Yeah, so I suppose that's an option, but I, I still think that the Let's Go titles are probably going to be the better, like, you know, entry vector for this if you're, if you're not, you know, if you're new. TLDR. Better ways to play the originals. Yes. But uh, I think with all of that being said, we will uh, quickly go over the the usual stuff. So um, we, we appreciate you uh, joining us for this episode. And if you haven't already and you'd like to check out more, um, there are a number of ways you can find us. We're on all of the social medias. So just look for Retro Hangover and you will most likely find us there. 
Uh, we do except for Snapchat. That's where we keep our nudes. Yeah, that's true. That that's um, that's premium. So you know, DM us for details. Uh, but a uh, hundred dollars per day. That's right. That that's actually where the money comes from, not Patreon. But you know, if you're not interested in that, then we do have a Patreon, and you can go and check that out. That is uh, at uh, bit.ly slash rh patron. And if you donate at the 16 bit tier, you can get access to our bonus exclusive audio content that we uh, release on that private feed there. Uh, and we would, of course, greatly appreciate the support. Um, you also get access to our uh, patron Discord, so you can hop in and chat with us whenever you like. Uh, and we also still have the merch store open. That's at bit.ly slash RHP merch. You can pick yourself up a, a shirt or a mug. Uh, I'm personally a huge fan of the mugs there. Um, it's pretty solid and really great for beer or or other things. And um, yeah, man, I think that's about it. So, uh, Chris, you got anything else you'd like to add? No. Great. All right. Well, until next time. Play with your Doug Trio penis-looking joysticks. We got to wrap some Pokemon. You just do the singing. I'll take care of the hard part. Let's get it on. I want to be the best that ever was. To beat all the rest. Yeah, that's my cause. Electro, Diglett, Nidoran, Mankey, Venusaur, Tata, Fero, Pidgey, Seeking, Jolteon, Dragonite, Ghastly, Ponyta, Vaporeon, Polyrath, Butterfree. Catch em, catch em, gotta catch em all. I'll search across the land, look far and wide, release from my hand the power.